0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Vikings come out and play. Uh-huh. Wait a minute. I see. Let me put some cushions. Cousins, throws. Pass here. now listen to the Believe in Vikings podcast with B-Mac and Baker. Welcome
1: to a one in five edition of Believe in Vikings. I am your host, Dustin Baker. I'm here with Super Bowl champ Brian McKinney. What up?
2: So is one in five, is this like one podcast
1: out of five, or this is our record? <laughs> this is our record.
2: Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, this is
1: about like our seventh or eighth podcast. We've only oh, okay. had, we no only had one sure. winning podcast. Uh, but yeah, that's a great clarification. Yep, the Vikings are one in five. That's where we sit. Um, we're going to jump right into that after I talk about betonline.ag. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on all of the action at Bet Online. The Vikings have a bye week this week, but their bitter rivals, the Packers, are going to Houston. The Packers are three and a half point favorites um, as of midweek. So, if you believe in the Houston Texans, who we uh, chatted about with uh, a couple. Texans enthusiasts Henry Thomas and Fred Davis a few weeks ago go bet on those Texans um, from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. Bet online gives you more options to wager than any place online, and there is always an online casino as well that never closes. So head to BetOnline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's BetOnline.ag and sign up today. The Minnesota Vikings went into week six um, after some steam of going toe-to-toe with the Seahawks. Uh, We were supposed to absolutely smash the Falcons, go into a bye week, and then have a rejuvenation to 2020. Instead, we forgot the part about smashing the Falcons. Um, They did the inverse to us, and it was a putrid display of football, especially in the first half. The team could get nothing going, and ultimately the Falcons were victorious. 40-23 to under an interim head coach, and they had their first win of the season. Um, It was the Colts game revisited from week two in terms of ineptitude, and nothing could get going. Um, There were a couple glimpses of hope when Jeff Gladney forced a fumble. Uh, We should have been able to turn that around there, but there were too many turnovers, and once again, which Bryant and I will talk about, the uh, time of possession was absolutely upside down for the meaningful parts of the game. So, Bryant... um, Give me your takes on that game, the Falcons. I kind
2: of you know I kind of like was like on the fence with that game. Remember I told you about you know having you know, a new situation, coach get fired and a new regime comes in. you do kind of want to step your game up and play harder for that new situation, and they did exactly that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I
1: gotta start listening to you, man.
2: Right? I, I, I try to give little nuggets of like yep. mentality of what happens when you're in those
1: situations.
2: Um, so they kind of did exactly that, and um, they came here and actually played a complete game of football. Um, which I was su- I was surprised how well they played. Like yeah. I I wasn't expecting that many points, you know. So uh, yeah, so I wasn't surprised because. At times, it can happen like that. And I kind of explained why I feel like it may happen like that, too. Is whoever's now in position, they're now trying to now, you know, fight for them and, you know, stuff like that. So maybe they weren't too happy with the old coach, you know. That's how we look at things, too. And then all of a sudden, it's like this big turnaround just happened. Now that he's gone, it's like breath of fresh air. I can relax. I can go out here and play. Like, different things take place.
1: What you are saying Is mandatory to be true because I've watched football since 1989, and that was the best 0-5 or 0-4, 0-6, 0-6 team I've ever seen. And I guess in hindsight, we should have seen it. They still had Julio Jones. They still had Matt Ryan. But what we were led to believe was this team, you know, just fired its coach. This team is headed for the tanking sweepstakes. Uh the defense was supposed to suck. It did not. Uh Julio Jones was allegedly. Hampered, he wasn't. Um, And overall, this was Mike Zimmer's first loss to the Falcons and Matt Ryan. And it's just inexplicable that a team that was forecasted to be not that good came in and just, you know, pulled our pants down. Um, This was the fifth straight loss for the Vikings at US Bank Stadium. And the Vikings have only lost five games or more in a row at their house, whether it was Metrodome or the Met or TCF or U.S. Bank, four times now. And the last time it happened was 2011, I believe, and that was the beginning of the Leslie Frazier era. So things are not going swimmingly. Can we agree, Bryant, now we've tried to keep this optimism alive because we've been given nuggets of great, really good performance at times, not great. Can we agree that the postseason aspirations for this team are probably dead?
2: They're definitely dwindling away. <laughs> I don't really see. Um, yeah, I don't really foresee this team going on like an 8-0 streak or yeah. right, anything like that. And we're, um,
1: we are to the point where that is a requirement.
2: If, yeah, and, I, if, I, and honestly, I don't see it. So yeah. um, I could probably say that at this point, they're going to play for pride and try to be a spoiler. For other teams who potentially commit to playoffs, that's the warrior have to play. Um, Do I feel like the tank it? No. I feel like, you know, you still want to have these wins, you know, maybe get a victory Monday late in the year or something. But I think at at a certain point now, you'll just be playing to, like, just spoil other people's chances.
1: Yes. um, So – this is what I needed to see to disqualify any hopes of the postseason. Um, I got mesmerized with the Seahawks game, thinking that if the defense just held him on 4th and 10, uh, we would have knocked off probably the best or second best team in the NFL um, but I got hoodwinked because evidently I forgot that Seattle's defense is horrible. And it's really just been the Russell Wilson show out there. So it makes all the sense in the world as a retrospective that the Vikings were able to move the ball on the Seahawks because everybody else is. Every team that has played them has scored 23 or more points. And that team, if you care about the Seahawks, um, needs to get its defensive ducks in a row if they want to hoist a Lombardi trophy. So I was duped. I thought this team. After the the Seattle game could go on a winning streak, but now I'm sure there's some listeners out there, maybe the the youngsters, the teenage ones that think that oh we could we could still do it. There would need to be a win streak that starts in Green Bay, and it there's no other th- way it, it can go uh they're one in five, which means you can only really lose two more games in general, so a long win streak would be completely required and my thought process process is now we've seen the colts game and we've seen this falcons game and both of those prove that it wasn't an outlier performance so we're, we're now seeing a trend of this vikings football where they have that in them to play that poorly uh therefore it could show up at any given week whether it's against the jaguars whether it's against the bucks um this team is just in a mode and a mood where it's not what we're used to. Um, how do you feel about that?
2: Um, yeah, we're definitely not used to this, this mood at all. <laughs> um, and I don't even really know the mindset in the locker room. That's why I always keep questioning who's the leader in there. Yeah. Because I don't know who the mind, who, that, I don't know their mindset in there of, you know, trying to build a morale. And like, I wouldn't see them losing that bad to – Falcons, you know what I mean? So it's like, I don't know the mindset in there. I don't know, like, and a lot of the key guys, you know, the leaders that we talked about, um, are injured and not playing, you know what I mean? So it's like, these this is people's opportunity to kind of step up and become that voice, become that face. And I feel like nobody's really taking advantage of it.
1: I'm with you. So, you, um, we were with the Vikings for let's see two coaching changes, I believe. Um, do you feel from the games that you've watched and how you follow the Vikings and then your your player resume? Do you think that Mike Zimmer's job is in jeopardy, Brian McKinney? What do you say? But
2: I, I feel like this is his first season having a bad season, though, right?
1: Yeah, his first, his rookie year. I can I can go down on. Him. I'm I'm obsessively uh, biased. Uh, yeah, his first year they were seven and nine. In 2015, they went 11 and five and won the division, which most folks didn't expect. In 2016, um, Bridgewater had the knee injury that basically changed his career. Uh, we started off hot. We ended up going 8-8, eight and eight, did not make the playoffs. 2017 was his best year. We went 13-3 uh, and three and had a defense from hell in a good way. Uh, we lost the mm-hmm. NFC Championship. We were unprepared. Um, that was right after the Minneapolis Miracle. 2018 was Cousins' arrival, and we were 8-7-1, and one, which would have been good enough to get into the new playoff format, but they didn't have that back then. And it was an underwhelming finish to the season. Uh, and then last year was ten and six, which very easily could have been eleven and five if we actually played um our starters against the Bears and we had the playoff win. So yes, if you give him a pass for the rookie year when he went seven and nine, that was twenty fourteen, this would be his first bad season.
2: Right. So I don't I don't feel like just one bad season they'll Get rid of him now if he has a bad season next season. Yeah, they'll get rid of him in the middle of the season. Okay, <laughs> they're okay. not gonna allow it to go the whole through the whole season. Okay, so if it's sort of bad again, to the top of next season, it's gonna be a chop in there, some you know, soon. But I feel like this season they're gonna like let's see how this plays out, and then I feel like there's like gonna be a little leeway just because of the whole COVID thing, like not being able to have the time people, so we can't really penalize him too bad. And this is his first bad season, so okay. We'll play out this season, but come next season, and we start off the same way. We won't have to like figure something out.
1: Yeah, and he wa- it was one thing that's odd about coaches' contracts or salaries is usually they're shrouded in mystery. So <clears throat> when Cousins was extended, that was off in the offseason. We knew all about that deal, and it's uh, spammed all over the place on Twitter. We all we know all about how much money he makes, but with Zimmer, we don't really know. And so he was just extended. I don't know. I'm sure they could figure out a way to terminate him. But in reality, like Brian has said, it is his first season um, of playing poorly. There have been years where the expectations were super high, and then they played mediocre or finished the season mediocre. So we've, we've encountered that. Um, but I can tell you right now, this is the most palpable it's ever been in his tenure where fans want to change. And I know that doesn't really matter. I mean, it does because, you know, fans are the lifeblood of the sport or at least what keeps it rolling. But uh, I've never seen it quite like this where people want to change, a wholesale change.
2: Yeah, I'm surprised everybody wants to change so fast, though. I mean, I've seen other coaches have a few bad seasons (laughs) just still hang around. Yeah. uh, This is his first one, not including his rookie year. This is his first one, and we do also have to kind of look at you know, the the COVID situation, gives gives somebody a little leeway with that. But like I said, now it's starting next season. We still got to see how the season plays out. But starting next season, if it starts off the same way and we're, you know, one and six or whatever, it's like, okay, we got to figure this out.
1: Yeah, I think that might be the case for Kirk Cousins, although we're married to his contract uh, emphatically and arguably longer than Zimmer's because we don't really know what Zimmer's is. Uh, Cousins is having probably the worst stretch of his career, certainly two of the worst games against the Colts and now against the Falcons, even though he made the stats look prettier um, in the second half. Um, it, I, there's a lot of fans that are already scouting rookie quarterbacks, and that's certainly uh, fine and dandy to do that in your spare time. Um, but I think it's more likely that Cousins would finish out this year. Well, he's certainly going to finish this year out. I w- It's more likely that he finishes it out competently And then the team, I think, after seeing the Falcons game, this team will select a quarterback within the first three rounds of the 2021 NFL draft. And then they'll go gingerly into the next season with Cousins as the guy. And if we get to about this time next year, when you're talking about, you know, if Zimmer has not righted the ship and we're something spooky like three and six. Then I don't know if that would be Zimmer's head. And then the the rookie would get some action or if they would. It all depends on how Cousins kind of rebounds here. Uh, but I, uh, I followed a lot of Kirk Cousins, uh, well, all of his Vikings crew, obviously. And then I probably know more about his statistics than anybody on the planet. And he's never done this. This has never been this bad of a stretch. So I think it's more likely that he personally and individually turns things around. And that would put the, you know, leadership in a lot better spot because then you don't have to explore ways to rise. If, I mean, I would have to assume that all of a sudden he stinks like, you know, he was, he was pretty darn good for 2015 and all of a sudden the guy is not good anymore. And that's usually something that happens to a dude that's like 40 and he's only 32. So the Vikings are indeed in a rut. Um, If you have one takeaway from this show it would be that Bryant and Dustin really don't believe this season is any salvageable any longer. Um, (laughs) We we kind of said after Seattle, you know, we're a couple tips of the ball from winning the damn thing. This team has it in them, but we are certainly not going to stop watching the games or stop the podcast, but we're not of the opinion that this team can make any sort of serious noise in the playoffs. So, um, if that is indeed the case, where this team is headed for five 5-11, 6-10 type of record, um, what would be the goals, do you think, for the rest of the season?
2: Oh, for the rest of the season, I would still, like, try to play good. Like, I, I personally don't see players saying, like, well, let's not do well so we can get a top pick. It's still <laughs> in our pride, and you still want to keep your job. So, therefore, it's like you still want to go out here. And I said at a certain point, when they realize they're out of the playoffs, they'll start being spoilers. Like, that'll be the motivation. Like, okay, let's knock them out. Like, let's not make sure they don't make it.
1: Okay. Um, Before we talk about, uh, I guess, the next steps or the bye week, I want to mention Justin Jefferson, who was the Vikings' first-round pick. Um, he had another tremendous game. He had 166 receiving yards and two touchdowns. And uh, I believe uh, it's a weird feeling. So, when you have a rookie-wide receiver like that, you – as a fan, you're watching it with like some expectations that mistakes are going to be made. And other than one weird route that he ran in week one or two, I just don't see that with him. Um, whenever the ball is in the air and it's going his direction, I already already have the utmost of confidence that good and sexy things are going to happen. And it really makes it really makes me feel like an idiot because I waited so long for Laquan Treble to bust out. I uh, I, I had crazy patience with him in the first year because I thought he was a project and (sighs) now when I look back on it I I can't believe that I personally you know allowed him that much slack thinking he would eventually be a good wide receiver um again I'll state he's an awesome dude and he did a lot of intangibles on the field he Mm -hmm. just was nowhere near this production so um on Jefferson I think we can agree that he's something special isn't that right
2: no I definitely think so I, I, I like the fact that he was able to kind of pick up and, and not have all the time that he normally would have had and still come out here and be super productive and be one of the top in the league this far.
1: Yes, and there's no denying that. I believe he's still the top uh, pro football focus wide receiver in terms of grades. And, uh, yeah, he, it's it, you would think, barring injury, it's only going to get better. Even when Kirk is having a downtrodden campaign, he still is getting uh, the rookie involved. So maybe that's one of the things that we'll sit and watch with – Um, extreme optimism is that Jefferson can somehow win rookie of the year on a team that doesn't seem like it's going anywhere. All right. So we have the bye week um, we are going to, uh, for now, we're going to transition over to our fan segment. This will be the third guest fan that we have on the show. So for now, we're going to go to Kara in Oregon. How are you doing tonight, Kara?
3: I'm good. How are you? How are you?
1: Not bad. How is Oregon this evening?
3: Oregon is pretty good. The weather's pretty nice tonight. Um, it hit like 65 degrees today, so pretty nice.
1: Ooh, okay. Well, mm-hmm. on the show, we also have Bryant McKinney, who played left tackle for about 10 years, and I'm sure you watched over 90 games with Bryant McKinney in them. Absolutely. <laughs> what How up, you? Bryant?
2: How you doing, kid? How y'all doing?
3: I'm Good.
1: All right, so this is our fan segment. This, you are our third guest. Uh, we like to set the table, so to speak, and get to know you. Um, so my first question is, uh, when and how and why did you become a fan of the Minnesota Vikings?
3: Okay, so I live in Oregon now, but I grew up in Iowa, and I became a fan, uh, I would say, right? I think it was seventh grade um, is when I really um, started to become passionate about football, and I always watched the games with my dad. Um, and so he's a huge Vikings fan, got the tattoo, like he's, you know, he's in it. And so I was always watching the games with him. Uh, and that just really got me going with, with the Vikings and then watching, um, Randy Moss and Chris Carter and all the guys, Robert (laughs) Smith, everybody, all, it just, I was sold, you know?
1: Yeah, that, that was, that was an era that uh, drew a lot of us in. Um, I moved from Houston, Texas to Minneapolis, um, right before eighth grade and that was a 97 season so I had obviously no idea that Moss was coming to the team but that's when I latched on to him and I'm grateful that I did most of the time. Um, so who is your current favorite player on this roster? Can you name one or not necessarily?
3: Oh it's hard to really pick a favorite. I would say I'm between man it's so hard because I'm <laughs> on offense and favorites on defense. Yeah. I, say, I, will, I love Dalvin and Justin Jefferson right now because he's just really amazing. I think he's incredible. And yeah. um, as far as defense, you know, I um I just love Daniel Hunter. He's incredible. He is just amazing
1: what he can do. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Um, I also, I liked him before it was fashionable. I want to put that out mm-hmm. there. Not, not saying that you didn't, but there's a lot of people who didn't, oh, no, like real. they still wanted... Robinson, which is fine and dandy, but Hunter was something special early on. So Oh yeah,
3: I, I noticed it right away. Everybody was all Cleo Mac, Cleo Mac, and yeah, Cleo <laughs> Mac is wonderful, and he's an amazing football player, but people were just ignoring the greatness of Daniel Hunter, and yeah. I was trying to be pretty vocal about it, because he's he is something
0: special.
1: Yeah, aside from injury, it is established now that he is a superstar. So, all right, we set the table. You've been a fan since seventh grade. You know your stuff. You're more than a casual fan, so... That was a nice segue on Daniil Hunter. Um, the first thing I want to ask you is how much stock do you put into the fact that these 2020 Vikings are without Daniil Hunter and Anthony Barr and Michael Pierce to say that they're performing poorly? Do you think that that is an excuse, or do you think that helps kind of describe why the team is floundering?
3: I wouldn't consider it an excuse, but it definitely has made a humongous impact. Um, not, You know, uh, Daniil Hunter, obviously, if you're lined up against Daniil Hunter, for one thing, you're probably shitting your pants. Okay. And that's not a knock on Shamar Stevens uh, at all. Okay. But Daniel Hunter just, he already, he just puts fear in people. Okay. He's, he's incredible. Um, and so I think just him alone being gone is a big deal. And then Anthony Barr, he's been a playmaker for a long time. And I think people don't realize all the things that he does on the field. Um, obviously we haven't gotten to see Michael Pierce in a Vikings uniform, but what he did for the Ravens was a lot and we are missing a huge nose tackle. We, we need that run separate bat, um, after losing limbo. So I think that it is a, a huge deal. Um, plus I think another thing has to do with just all, the, all the rookies, um, you know, losing all those veterans in the offseason obviously makes a difference. Um, I think it's just, it all collectively works together.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I, was, I think I've said this before on the show, but I want to make it very clear. I was wrong. I thought that even without Hunter, which I thought was for a few weeks, yeah. I thought that I, uh, this defense could be piecemealed together to be probably 10th, 12th, 13th, 14th best in the league. In the interim, I never saw a Bar getting hurt, and this was even without Pierce. I thought that Zimmer's resume was hefty enough that this team could be a defensively sound product. Thus far, I have been wickedly wrong. Um, Bryant on injuries such as Daniil Hunter, Anthony Barr, and then Michael Pierce um, not playing because of the coronavirus, it obviously – that may, that's a big damn deal, isn't it, my man?
2: But It definitely is a big deal, especially when you have two of, – I'm going to – three elite players who make a big impact, and they probably also help build the morale of their teammates around them and just having them on the field kind of builds up everybody's confidence. It's kind of like, you know, when I got to Baltimore and if Ed Reed and Ray Lewis wasn't playing, you know, other people want to step in, but you just felt like you were missing, you know – certain pieces of the puzzle. So I can understand, you know, how some guys may feel, but also it is people's opportunity to step up and kind of put some good film out there. Yeah. But at the same time, uh, losing, you know, some leadership like that, I know can affect it as well.
1: Yeah. That's, uh, I know that next man up has kind of been the Belichickian thing forever and it's correct. I mean, that's the mentality, but I think what, we as fans or certainly myself gets lost in that doesn't necessarily mean to be the next guy up uh, doesn't mean the next man up is going to be quite as good it just means that he should do a serviceable job at filling his shoes so i think i got i definitely got it twisted on that i thought this defense would be okay because unique is not too far of a step down from daniel um he's more of a, fo- a fumble forcing machine but i got that wrong um so all right so that's what we have from kara on the injuries um Based on your Twitter account, Kara, last Sunday, you sounded like an advocate for wholesale change, and I think a lot of us felt that way uh, in the frustration of the moment because we just got thoroughly shellacked. Um, so let's put it this way. Um, if you were in charge, would any of the big three, Rick Spielman, Mike Zimmer, or Kirk Cousins, survive your wrath uh, heading into this offseason?
3: Uh, Rick's getting the axe.
1: Um, Ooh, wow. I-
3: yeah, I feel like he's had quite a bit of time with the team. I feel like he maybe hasn't necessarily always listened to Zimmer's advice. Um, and I like, my, I like Mike Zimmer. Um, you know, he gets a lot of criticism. And, you know, obviously it should come his way. He's the head coach. But I think that Rick doesn't necessarily always listen to Zimmer's advice. And maybe if he did, we'd be in a better position um and i think he's had a lot of time to really build up the o-line and you know obviously that also has to do with coaching and scouting and all that but i think he's had quite a bit of time he's been around since like 2012 uh as a gm he
0: mm-hmm.
3: it's 2020 come on man <laughs> um and then hmm. Cousins is i think he's a really good quarterback he just he i think he was supposed to be you know that final piece um And now that our defense is pretty sloppy right now, it's you know he can't you can't just lean on him.
1: Yeah, I uh, think I think his turn
3: for something like that.
1: Yeah, his his mistakes and they there have been quite a few, um, especially in two games: the Colts game and this Falcons game. They get amplified as especially especially wretched when the defense doesn't pick up the slack historically this mike zimmer defense could kind of mask those types of mistakes and those can't be masked anymore not saying that uh you know cousins go out and throw three picks in a like for the 2017 vikings but brian i want to ask you so she, she came up with the idea um that spielman should listen to zimmer a little bit more often and you knew rick spielman is he the type of guy that would listen to a head coach in your opinion I know that I think I mean, your
2: changed since, but I'm not sure. I feel like a lot of things back then were kind of based on how he felt. Okay. You know what I mean? And I guess kind of because he was more of the boss. Yeah. But I mean, he might have changed over time and maybe more lenient to listen because times have changed. And like yeah. she said earlier, like he's been there for a minute, but even the type of players, like the way you deal with them for his attitude-wise, is not the same at all. Okay. So he has to be open to being able to. Um, you know, get some criticism or, or some assistance, you know, in some areas because it's not, nothing is the same as okay. it was back then.
1: Prior to him officially getting in the gig, as Kara said in 2012, there was something that was called the triangle of authority and it was the Wilfs. It was Spielman as vice president of player personnel. And then it was Childress. And when that era sort of evaporated, then Spielman took the big job and I'm pretty certain And I could be wrong, but I'm pretty certain that Spielman and Zimmer are are buddies, are friends. So I don't know if one of them could go without the other. But I guess we will have to see. Hopefully it doesn't get there at all. Uh, Hopefully uh, the winds start racking up, but we'll have to see. Now, you mentioned Cousins, that you you do like him most of the time at least. And you think that he's a talented dude. I don't think... Well, let me start off by saying there's a lot of uh, fervor that he needs to be gone, whether it's a trade or a lease. Um, I want to ask you in light of that sentiment after his performance against the Falcons, what is your best case uh, scenario surrounding the remainder of the time that he wears white horns on his helmet?
3: Well, that's hard because um, either way, we're going to, the best case scenario, if we trade him or get rid of him, is like 20 million in dead money. So I feel like we should kind of let the season play out. Um, If we trade him, what, what, I mean, I guess, if we could move up in the draft it depends on who he we trade him to but i don't see i don't see us gaining that much from getting rid of him honestly this right now i think maybe later um maybe later, before um, the new year starts, then we could we could go that route. But as far as um, keeping him around, I think what would be really nice is to have him since he's here till 2022, which I think was a really big mistake, extending him before seeing how this season played out for that much money, by the way. Um, I think that we uh, could get a quarterback, you know, first round, Hopefully that's what they go with, and then they sit behind him and can learn some things. Obviously, hopefully the good things. But when he's good, he's really good. So I, I'd like to have it be he'd be a really good um, quarterback for a rookie to sit behind. I think. On cousins, you know,
1: I hear you on cousins. The thing that sets him apart, I think, from getting national respect or stardom is that his highs are akin to the highs of other dudes, like single game performances. But when he is off. It's like he drags the whole team down with him. Um, When Patrick Mahomes has an off game, which you hardly ever see, it's like 230 yards, a touchdown, maybe two picks, and the Chiefs still find a way to squeak it out. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, with Cousins, it feels like when things start to go amiss for him, that's it. Like, yeah. yeah, You can start looking at next week. You can start tweeting your grievances because yeah. uh, that's the way it's going to be. So um, I, I need to hold myself accountable. Um, I differed with you at the time when Cousins was extended. I was all about it, and I'm still not of the opinion that he's all of a sudden this terrible quarterback. He has not played well, or at least to his standard, um, in the totality of 2020. So I, I do have faith mm-hmm. in him that he can turn this around because <laughs> I refuse to believe he's suddenly inept, and this is it for him. Um, I hope that he can turn it around, but if indeed he doesn't, then I need to be held accountable because I advocated that signing. I mean, hell, he has the eighth best eighth best passer rating of all time, and uh, it's just weird that uh, he isn't the final the final piece to all of this.
3: Yeah, I think we he could definitely still turn it around. Um, I just, when I say I don't agree with it, I wish, I just kind of wish they would have seen how, seen how the, the season played out before they signed him to another really large contract is all. Yeah,
1: and they could have done that. Normally you don't let a player go on to his a final year of his deal. I think it's uh, like a respect thing. Um, and, and you don't want him to be resentful when they hit free agency. Right. So, let's say we didn't. And he comes out and has an absolutely upper echelon year and we go 14 and two, then his market value goes through the roof so usually these general managers like to you know extend a, a, a arm of good faith and get him locked up so far you know through 6 7 games uh, it hasn't gone well um, yeah. is there any fiber of your being that sees this team capable <laughs> of rattling off like seven wins i think
3: it's possible i mean i really want to say i think for me it all depends on how they come out of this um, bye week and hit green bay I think that that's going to have a lot to do with how the team feels going forward, personally. I think if they can, and I do think that they can, um, come out and knock Green Bay on their ass um, because they won't be expecting it after getting embar- especially after the Vikings getting embarrassed like that in Atlanta. Um, I really think that that could, you know, light a fire in them. So. Okay.
1: Hey, uh, big man, we're going to talk about this next week a lot during our bye week show about the Packers and hopefully you can bring some Packers memories to the table. But Mm -hmm. in terms of your feelings now, do you see um, any way we can knock off Green Bay? Um, You've played there several times. Um, What is your, I guess, early analysis of the Green Bay matchup in two weeks?
2: I don't know. I feel like it's a little <laughs> more wear and when you travel. Have to travel there. You know, you're not traveling far, but I feel like if they were going to win, it would have definitely been at home. Um, and you just got to kind of see how you know who Green Bay plays during uh, Minnesota's bye week because they may you know bang be banged up a little bit while these guys are getting a chance to get fresh. So, like a lot of those different things play play like play
1: a factor. Isn't there something to be said though? And I, I know at least from a fan standpoint, there is. Like when the Vikings play the Bears, you can throw out records. It doesn't matter how great Brian Erlacher was or how good Jake Cutler was playing. From my perspective, when the Vikings and Bears lock up, you can throw records out the window because it's going to be sloppy and it's, it's going to make your eyes roll. And it doesn't even really matter who the better team is overall. Somebody is going to find a way to win. It just seems like a slugfest. Is there any way, or not any way, but... um the way that you saw the Packers and Vikings rivalry when you were, you know, immersed in it, does that have that same feel that, you know,
2: Oh, it definitely does. There's so much. that Um, It doesn't matter who is having a better season. Is when it comes to that game, it's going to be like a knockdown drag out for the most part. So it doesn't matter. So like they could be having a great season and we are coming in, we'll steal a game from them or something like that. So, yeah,
1: it reminds me of the 2004 playoff game. Uh, the infamous one where myself included my 21 year old drunk self. I had, I didn't think you guys could pull that out at all at Lambeau field and you jumped all over them and never let up. Uh, so that's what I guess. I mean, it's a long shot that anything like that happens um, in two weeks here, but Carol, what would you put the percentage of the Vikings coming out and looking like that first three quarter Seahawks team, um, and finding a way to knock off the Packers percentage. I
3: think, the, I think we have a pretty good shot at that. Um, just because uh, it's hard to give you an actual percentage, but after watching, um, Green Bay, um, play Tampa Bay, obviously Tampa Bay is a good team and they're facing Brady. So, you know, I feel like maybe Aaron's confidence might be down a little bit. I think it has to do with, like you said, how, how they, um, face this next opponent, but I think Minnesota is, uh, going to come over there and Green Bay is going to look at them a little underrated. I, that's just my personal feeling. I give it like 70, I don't know, 60, 40 I, I, Vikings over.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. So you, so you are expecting to see the good version of the Vikings. For I the think
3: so. Okay. I do. We, cool. I, we played really well in Seattle. I mean,
1: <laughs> yeah. the yeah.
3: Titans. it's just, we couldn't finish.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah. That, and that was the wickedly frustrating part of it. One thing I want to say about the Packers And I'm not trying to denigrate the legitimacy of the Packers season, but it has to be called out, especially on a Minnesota Vikings podcast. So the first week they played the Vikings who did not have their, arguably their best player in Daniel Hunter. The second week they played, they played the lions who did not have their best player in uh, Kenny Galladay. The third week, I believe they played the saints who did not have Michael Thomas. And the fourth week they played the Falcons. I might've reversed the order a little bit without Julio Jones. So I'm not kidding you. In four straight weeks, they played teams without their best player. Lo and behold, they they played a Bucks team who didn't even have Leonard Fournette or Vitavea, and they got their teeth kicked in. And I'm um, I'm not going to say that you know the Packers stink because they certainly do not. But they did have some very whimsical luck in the first four weeks of the season. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we'll we'll see how that carries over to. They play in Houston this week, and you almost want to hope that they don't get beat because then they're going to be super pissed heading back to the game against us. But of course mm-hmm. we won't be cheering for them. All yeah. right. I'm, I'm going to ask you to put on your general manager hat again, and we're going to go back to the quarterback position, Kara. Yeah. Um, let's flash forward to about this time, 2021. So right before Halloween, 2021, hopefully the pandemic is over. Yeah. Um, What Do you think the starting quarterback will A, be Kirk Cousins, B, be another veteran quarterback, or C, be a rookie quarterback at that time? Let's say week seven, week eight.
3: Oh, that's so hard.
1: (laughs) Wait, I'm not going to ask you to name the rookie quarterback because that would be even harder, but...
3: Shoot, I don't know. So this is a
1: prediction. This isn't what your heart says you want to happen, because I think every reasonable Viking fan would want to hope that Cousins goes on a stretch of twenty five touchdown passes, one interception, and it's, you know, a fairy tale type of thing. But um what do you think that we will see mid season next year from the quarterback position?
3: You know, unless Kirk really really goes out and screws it up. I think it's going to be Kirk. I think, obviously, I think we're going to have a great – we're going to draft a great rookie quarterback. But unless Kirk goes out and really screws it up, I don't think he's getting benched for that rookie quarterback um, because that's going to just kill his confidence. So then if the rookie goes out there and just screws – you know, isn't isn't ready, then that's just going to make things worse. But I don't know. I, I don't know. I think, I think Kirk still. Okay. Um, but – I I think the Vikings will let it play out. Um, I don't know. I guess it also depends on who the GM is. It really does.
1: Yeah. I think if you follow the money.
3: So if we have a different GM, I think we have a rookie.
1: Yeah. That's a good point. If you follow the money, it will probably be Kirk Cousins. And if history is any precedent, he should have turned things around. Um, (laughs) He's never had a stretch like this and he's only 32. So it would be absolutely strange that all of a sudden he doesn't know how to play football. Exactly. All right. I got two more for you, Kara, while we got you on the line. Um, <clears throat> if Zimmer is indeed the coach in 2021, do you think that this defense will return to its supremacy next year?
3: Well, that certainly depends on if we have the key pieces back. Um, but I believe so. Um, it might not be at the level we were at last year, but I think we are definitely going to be a lot closer to that. Um I think Zimmer, I mean, obviously, he's shown us that he's a great defensive coach. Uh, and he's just, you know, had it, this, the card stacked against him this year. Um, yeah. I mean, he got these great new cornerbacks, but they're out there learning against the best, which they're out there learning <laughs> against the best, which is good for them. Yeah. Um, so hopefully next year, you know, they've got, you know, they've got that experience. Um, things will, uh, go a little more smoothly. We'll have Anthony Barr back. Um, we'll have Danielle Hunter, hopefully, you know, um, yeah, on the- Michael Pierce.
1: Yes. On those corners, Gladney and danceler. um, In those little breadcrumbs that we're seeing, Dantzler had that sweet force fumble that should have turned the tide in the game if uh, Cousins was on his A-game. He forced that fumble that the Vikings recovered, which was a rare turnover that we forced this year. And then I saw Dantzler make about three sweet tackles, and um, that was extremely promising um, because they looked like, you know, experienced vet tackles where there was nothing uh, left to question about whether that dude was going to fall to the ground. So yes, it's a trial by fire for them right now, and I'm hoping that to your point when they're going up against julio jones Devonte adams that that's really going to cut their teeth so to speak and they'll be you know rearing for more next year right All right. The last thing I got before we part ways, um, I have to touch on the subject of Justin Jefferson and Stefan Diggs. Those two will be compared, especially in Vikings land for a very long time. So Mm -hmm. far, so good. Jefferson is a maniac out there. And um, I can already tell you internally and emotionally that when I'm watching a Vikings game and the ball goes in his direction, I have no worries. And there are times when the ball is going towards, you know, historically like Treadwell or maybe uh BB whatnot. I'm like, all right, well, here we go. Hopefully he catches it. But, but so far with Jefferson, I'm like, my goodness. So in terms of on the field talent and you've had a little bit of a sample size for Jefferson and you saw five years worth of digs, are these two men already equals?
3: I believe so. Um, obviously uh, Jefferson's going to continue to develop and grow and just get better. Um, and so I think that he's only just going to keep getting better. I would consider them equals plus, um, on the field, Jefferson's, um, uh, his mentality, his mindset's more positive. I feel like if they're losing, I don't feel like we're going to see him walking to the line.
1: Yeah. That showed its uh, ugly head. Uh, um, and
3: I love Stefan Diggs. He's great. He's an amazing player. Uh, I loved him playing for us, but if we're talking about equal on, on the, field I do think they're pretty equal but I think things like that do you know make a difference
1: absolutely hey mm-hmm. big man um before we let Kara go can you in any way compare what you've seen from Jefferson to some of like the other worldly galactic rookies you've seen like uh you know Moss and well I guess you didn't see Moss but uh not his rookie year but Adrian um do you get the feel that this dude is it
2: um, you know, with Adrian, I could see it in practice. So, I was like, <laughs> I see this coming, uh, Chester Taylor. Like, watch out. <laughs> you can come for your job. But, um, yeah, I definitely see the potential. See, the difference with him is he didn't have OTAs. He didn't have, like, a lot of those times to really get the rhythm and everything down. But he's gained a lot of ground within these uh, first five games or whatever. So, I definitely see a lot of upside for him. And the more he's on the field, the more experience he'll get and the better he'll get.
1: All right. I'm with you. Well, Kara, that's all we got. I'm going to put you on my list of guests. Hopefully you'll come back and chat with us. Do you have any, any closing thoughts for us or anything?
3: Not, not in particularly. Just um, thank you for having me.
1: Oh, absolutely. (laughs) All right. Well, we'll catch you next time then.
3: All right. Y'all have a great night.
1: Yep. Thank you. Okay. All right, Kara, we appreciate you joining us. We look to have, I look forward to having you back sometime, maybe this season or maybe the off season, but we definitely will have you back on the show. Um, so back to the bye week that's upon us, Bryant. Um, what happens in a bye week? Can you give us some details about what happens with you, dudes?
2: See, I mean, if you're having a good season, you normally get the whole week off, If you don't. They want you to stay till like at least Tuesday, <laughs> or to, or they have you come in early on the back end and like you know just go over some things. So I don't know what their situation is, but bye week is basically mainly for you to rest up, recover, and. um you know, get away from football for a minute and then come back and be fresh and eager and ready to jump back into it.
1: Okay. And then do you, do you go home to where, I mean, yeah,
2: people, um, people can go home. You can go home. Um, like I used to go back to Florida. Okay. Um, I mean, the weather was nice, you know, so I would go home. Um, some people stay here and just totally just rest or whatever, but it was totally up to you. It was like your free time you were off for okay. pretty much about five, five days. Okay.
1: There's another random question. Um, do most players have two homes or at least an apartment in the house?
2: Yeah. So my main residence was, was in Florida because well one, no state tax here.
1: <laughs> so my main
2: residence was Florida and then I had a home in Minnesota as well, because I was there for so long. Yeah. So I bought a home my second year there. Uh, you know, my first, I wasn't there for half the season. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> my second year, I, I bought a home. So I bought a towel home there. Okay. So, yeah.
1: So even even the guys that don't make the huge contracts, do most of them have two places to live? This is like amateur questions, but I've always been curious.
2: Um. Yeah, they may rent a place for like, you know, a few months, and then they okay. would, uh, I guess, go back home or something like that. So maybe like rent, like partial.
1: Okay. And then what about the the upper echelon dudes who make the, the mega bucks, do they have two houses
2: usually? Um, sometimes they have a main house. Everybody always has a main home. Okay. And then wherever else you go, it's like, uh, it's not like your main home. Like your main home is be like the bigger home. And then where else you may have, like, like I had a, a, a town home, you know, in Minnesota. Okay. Or some people may have an apartment or something like that. Just that they're just, Renting, especially if you're a player that's like on the bubble, you're going to rent okay and have like, and it's not gonna be like a year, right? It'd be like a six month, or, it'd be something like that, you know, just because you're not sure, you know, how long you'll be on that team,
1: okay? All right, I want to rattle off some facts, um, that pertain to the bye week and then get into Green Bay a little bit. Um, in the case I forget. Uh, We will have a show next week. I believe Wes from California will join us. Uh, He will be our fan. And then um, I announced this on Twitter already. Um, Prior to the Lions game, we are going to have Adrian Peterson on the show. Bryant hooked that up. So circle your calendars out there and believe in Vikingsville. Uh, Vikings great. Adrian Peterson will be on with us on November 4th, the night after the election. And that's pretty, pretty sweet news. So on um, the bye week, uh, on the bye week, uh, Zimmer is two and five or excuse me two and four after bye week, so that is not very good. Uh, the years that they did win were two thousand and fifteen and two thousand and seventeen, so you gurus out there will know that the Vikings went on multiple game winning streaks after winning those game those uh, those two games after a bye week. so uh, overall, the Vikings have not been good after bye weeks in the last six years. Um, The Packers go to Houston, who we beat, what, three weeks ago, and the Packers just got spanked by Tom Brady and the Bucks. So the Packers will have a little something extra to play for in Houston because they probably want vengeance on themselves. Uh, You start to get in dicey territory, like I talked about with Kara, where as a Vikings fan, you're certainly not going to cheer for the Packers. uh, But if Houston beats them, then the Packers are going to be even more pissed when they play us next week. So it's a catch-22. Um. If the Vikings season, if the NFL season ended today for whatever reason, coronavirus or otherwise, the Vikings would pick second overall in the NFL draft. That's how poorly things are going. Um, I stated uh, previously that I believe the Vikings will draft a quarterback, even if Kirk Cousins plays like a complete uh, all pro player in the next handful of weeks to close out the season. Um, I think that we have seen enough in these first month and a half to start the season that if this happened this time it might happen again and as a contingency plan you probably want to start to groom a young quarterback for the future we tried we tried that with Teddy Bridgewater and for a while it was working pretty swimmingly but then he had the catastrophic injury uh Bryant do you agree or disagree that this team will look at a rookie quarterback in April
2: I would agree. And I mean, I feel like they should. Um, and, and allow that quarterback to kind of sit back for whether well, it's a couple games or a season yeah. and, and learn from Cousins and, and probably start getting ready to implement him. Um, especially if Cousins, you know, his really good to not so good is so drastic. It's like, okay, yeah. this, we, we got to do something.
1: Yep, and I I think I've said, I know I've said that there's a very good chance that Cousins is going to get back to form, and most of us think that's pretty damn good, Um, so I wouldn't put that out of the realm of possibility that he will return to the Cousins that most of us know and love, which is pretty damn effective, Um, but I think even so, the Vikings will, their hand has been forced because of the start of this season, that Kirk does not appear to be the type of signal caller that can put a team on his back single-handedly and take a team to the playoffs. There are elite quarterbacks that can do that. Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes. We thought Deshaun Watson was one of them, but we may have to rethink that. Um, So there's about three quarterbacks that can do that. Unfortunately, it looks like Cousins is not one of those, and they're a rare rare thing to find, so it's not really a huge knock on Cousins. So I think with the... uh, substance of his contract being pretty committed and large, the most logical thing would not be to trade him because you're probably not going to find a dance partner. And if you did, it'd probably have to be a Brock Osweiler-like deal where you're trading him and a pick just to do a favor to the Vikings to take that money off the books. Um, and you have to find a dance partner that had a whole lot of cap room to do that. Um, Otherwise, San Francisco was rumored to like Cousins because of the Shanahan connection, but the most logical and practical thing would be to keep doing the Cousins experiment because you extended him not long ago, and then start grooming somebody uh, in the wings, You know, in his tutelage, that if we go through this again, that we can look over on the bench and say, hey, you got so-and-so from so-and-so, and he can, he can start to play. Uh, I think that is probably what will happen. Um, so it's unlikely, if you're a Kirk birther, that there's, it's unlikely that he's going to be going anywhere anytime soon. What do you think?
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't think anytime soon, but I, it's okay to get somebody to start grooming behind him.
1: Yeah, and I think that's what will happen. Um, what do you, so you had interactions with Zimmer as we, or excuse me, uh, with Spielman as we talked about, and the majority opinion is that he's made some pretty darn good selections, especially his second round history is, uh, is quite good. Um, do you think that Spielman will be a part of this team for the extended future? Yeah, I,
2: mean, I feel like at a certain point, they can let Spielman go now and get somebody new and fresher in there who is open to some newer ideas and stuff like that. Okay. Well, that's a key. Because has been around for a long time. I mean, he was with the Dolphins, too. Yep, yep. Back when I was in college.
1: Yep, yep. That's where he uh, started. And then we talked about with uh, Kara, the triangle of authority. He kind of worked his way up. And there was like a threesome of power between the Wilfs, him, and Brad Childress. And then he took the big job in 2012, I believe. And he's been making the, the decisions ever since. I've always been curious as to the dynamic between a coach and a general manager because it must get tricky at times with the coach's jobs on the line and he wants to draft player A. The general manager says, hell no, nah, we, ain't, we ain't doing that. We're doing player B. I've always been curious by that, but it'll probably remain a mystery. So, yes, after our bye week, we will head to Green Bay. Um, it sounds quite daunting right now. But as we talked about, those games are usually slugfest, those division games, and we would hope that we see the good version of the Vikings. Uh, Next week, we'll be back with our bye week show. Um, Bryant, do you have any closing thoughts for Vikings Nation?
2: I don't. Luckily, we're on a bye week, and hopefully we can just rest up, heal up, and refocus.
1: I'm with you. All right. Well, that's all we have for tonight. Um, To all of you listening, uh, we appreciate you tuning in. We'll start a countdown of two weeks until Adrian Peterson. Uh, One week we get Wes from California. He's going to hook up with us. That's all we have for tonight. So, Skull Vikings!